When the day the Pentecost had come, they were all together in the same place. And there came suddenly from heaven a sound like the sweeping of a mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Then there appeared among them divided tongues as of fire, and one rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues just as the Spirit gave them to speak. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Now at this sound, the crowd gathered and was confused because each heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astounded, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how do we hear each in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Alamites, and those who live in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjacent to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. <coughs> we hear them speaking in our own tongues about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and questioning to one another, saying, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Judeans and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you all and attend to my speech. For these persons are not drunk, as you suppose, it is only the third hour, nine o'clock, in the morning. No, this is what was spoken throughout the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your daughters and your sons shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your elders shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both women and men, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Amen. Good morning, everyone. And no, I'm not drunk. It's only 10 in the morning. Uh, my name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm your lead pastor here at Zao, and happy Pentecost. Does the term Pentecost mean much to folks in this room? No pressure. Um, let's see a raise of hands of like, yes, I totally know what that means. All right. And anybody who's like, I've like maybe heard that term. All right. How about anyone who's like, Penta what? <laughs> all right. We got the full gamut. I love this community so, so much. And I appreciate you all being here. Um, and, and this term, Pentecost, um, is one that we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, but it's this celebration every year is a, a celebration of this particular incident recorded in Acts, and it's a celebration in general of the way the Holy Spirit comes and joins in our communities uh, and, and empowers us to do the work of the gospel, which is really profound. But we have this, this scene in Acts where folks are gathered, 
and they're feeling it, right? And they're in it, and they're in community. And now, all of a sudden, we have tongues of flame and fire, and everyone's getting weird, and people are speaking languages they don't have access to, and everyone's, like, hearing in their own language, and it's this big, like, mystical, magical experience, and outsiders who don't get it are like, are you drunk? Because there is this huge gap sometimes between that feeling of being connected in to that spiritual ecstasy and community and feeling like you get it and you feel it and feeling like you're looking in from the outside being like, what is that? And I'm just going to guess that each of us has actually had both of those experiences, right? Moments where you're in it and maybe it's, maybe what you're in is like a friendship or like a group of people who just really get each other, or a fandom, or a sport, or something. But like this, this moment of like intense connection gets just like a little rowdy, a little wild, and people who are, are just like not in on it just don't understand. And then there are also those moments where we feel like outsiders, looking in on people who are feeling this wild and beautiful sense of connection and it doesn't make any sense at all. And it can feel really isolating and lonely to see so many people bound up together in this powerful moment and to feel like you're completely outside. Next weekend is Pride Fest. Pride Fest is one of those moments for a lot of people on either side, right? You have people on the outside looking in on this gathering and saying, are you drunk? Are you out of your minds? Why are you all so naked? Why is everybody so happy with themselves? <laughs> but for those on the inside, those who are finally feeling a connection of queerness or allyship, feeling freedom in their bodies and joy in shared music and, and this moment of, of saying, hey, I get to explore who I am, who you are, and who we are all together. It is this shared moment of ecstasy and connection. And I truly believe that all of those moments of such power are fueled by the Holy Spirit of God. And so when you, if you, observe or participate in Pride next weekend, I want you to pay a little bit of attention, those sparks of energy between people, those moments of pure joy and connection, whether you're in them or outside of them. And I want you to honor that by saying, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God. And I want you to observe how isolated folks feel who are on the outside of it. Every year at Pride. Every year we got to walk by somebody with a megaphone, right? Just to get in. And they don't understand. They truly don't understand. They say, you must be drunk. You must be out of your mind. You must not be grounded in the Holy Spirit when in fact they just haven't caught the fire yet. They're on the outside. They're not open to hearing the languages of God in many and many different tongues. And so we can observe these dynamics of the Holy Spirit at work in the world calling us into connection, calling us into communion. And we can also observe that we can say yes or we can say no to that invitation. But I want to back up a little bit because when I talk about the Holy Spirit, what does that even mean, right? Is that God? Is that Jesus? Is that different from God and Jesus? Is it the same? We don't know. We don't know. Okay, how many people have strong feelings about the Trinity? This is another hand-raising moment. Like, I feel strongly about the Trinity. 
All right. How many of people are like, Trina, what? <laughs> I remember um, I have to go before a series of interviews every year to maintain my status in the church. And uh, the first time I ever came through, they, you know, they give you extra questions. They're like, huh, are you ready? And uh, one of the questions they asked me was, how would you explain the Trinity to someone asking what that meant? And I chuckled and kept to myself, I will let you know the first time someone actually asked me that, and I'll bring you a list of questions people actually have, because they are many and long before you get to the intricacies of the Trinity. But what I said to them, holding my breath to see if this would be okay with them, was the Trinity's weird. The Trinity doesn't make any sense. The Trinity is, is many paradoxical things layered on, on top of one another. That's why all of our metaphors fail. If you've heard that the Trinity is an egg, the shell, the yolk, the white, that's wrong. That's modalism. Doesn't matter what modalism is. It's wrong. If you've heard it's this metaphor, it's wrong. If you've heard it's this metaphor, it's wrong, right? We don't have metaphors that work because how can something be three in one? Distinct persons, but all one being. There is something about the Trinity that is so weird and beyond our comprehension that you would think that we would ditch it. But we don't because we recognize something so true in it that we long for it. The Trinity represents relationship in and with God. God is a relational God. You all hear me talk about that a lot. But think about that. God created us to be in relationship with us. Does that mean God wasn't relational before we came out of the scene? No. Why? The Trinity. Weird Trinity mystery. I don't know. It's weird, but it's true. And I know it in my being, and I know it in my relationship with God, that God is in relationship with God's self. And part of God's immense, powerful, beautiful being is these various expressions these parts of self that are all one and each bring this distinctness. God the creator, the mother, father, parent of us all. Jesus, the son, the savior, and the Holy Spirit, the one we all forget to talk about. Now the Holy Spirit actually, like I know we're not supposed to play favorites, but the Holy Spirit's mine. And I love the Holy Spirit, and I, I actually know a lot of people, you know, in this, in this community, we have coffee a lot. I have coffee with a lot of people, and I get to hear about y'all's journeys, and I have a lot of people saying, like, ah, I don't know about Father God, right? But I can get down with Jesus. Or, like, I don't know about the Jesus thing, but, like, I just feel connected to divinity, and I had, I, I, I'm, I'm down with everybody now, we're like all oh, pals. But there was absolutely a time in my life, a time when I didn't think I had a faith at all, that in retrospect, the only tether I had remaining was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the wildest expression of God. The Holy Spirit is the most uncontainable expression of God. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit blows where she will. And so when I was far from God in so many ways, the Holy Spirit kept showing up in and around and through my life, this connecting force, this life force. 
Now again, as with the Trinity in general, we don't really have any perfect metaphors for the Holy Spirit, so we use a lot of rich imagery. The imagery we have of the Spirit is fire, right? We've been thinking about a lot of fire today. We've got the tongues of fire and axe. That's like powerful. Oof. But we also have these like rushing winds. The words that we use in the Hebrew and Greek literally mean breath, the breath of God, and are then used to talk about spirit. These words, now you've heard me and a couple of other people now refer to the Holy Spirit using she, her pronouns. And if that catches you off guard, welcome to Zaps. Also, there's a biblical basis for that. Um, there are, Hebrew and Greek are gendered languages. And ruach is not a male term. Ruach is the Hebrew word for breath, spirit. That's a neuter term. Uh, and I'm sorry, that's a feminine term. And pneuma in the Greek is neuter. And so we have this non-binary, femme-leaning, Holy Spirit expression of God's own self that even the misogyny of our cultural histories could not erase. It's preserved in the very words we have, the metaphors we have for who God is, is God's femininity in the Spirit. Now, I, I also know that you can tell a lot about a community based on how much they emphasize Holy Spirit in their theology. There are communities that maybe some of you have come from that tend to be really structured, really hierarchical, that may not talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot at all. And then there are communities that are a lot more flattened, where power is a lot more shared. Those communities tend to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Marginalized communities in general, oppressed communities historically, have emphasized the Holy Spirit. Because while hierarchies and systems of power really love that father-son obedience dynamic, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? She blows where she will, right? And so anyone can catch the Holy Spirit. Anyone can receive the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is power. And so if power can come to anybody, that can be really threatening to institutions of strict structures of hierarchical power. And so when we lean into the Holy Spirit, we lean into like a, a slightly anarch anarchic vibe in the Trinity. This kind of anything goes, anything can happen, potential is everywhere, here comes God moment in our creation. Because the Holy Spirit will just rush in like a mighty wind or like tongues of fire and pour out her power on whoever is ready to receive and participate in it. Now, there's a lot of conversation about when we get the Holy Spirit and who gets the Holy Spirit. You know the gatekeeping of the church. So only believers receive the Holy Spirit, right? And only believers get it, and they maybe get it at baptism, and maybe they only get it when they're faithful, and maybe they only get it when they say the right prayer. No. No, the Holy Spirit is the very presence and being and connectedness of God. Right? So, like, the Holy Spirit, we have, we have the scriptures about Jesus that say that, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, was with the Father in the beginning, and will be. Jesus is eternal, even though he has a particularity in his life, in the Gospels. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. We see this beautiful moment in the upper room, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the first time the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene. 
we wouldn't even have the words in Hebrew if that was the first time the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene. No, to go to the first reference in Scripture in terms of the chronology of human beings, Creator God is bringing the world into existence, forms a human being, but it's still just a pile of clay until God's what? God's ruach, God's holy breath, the Spirit of God goes into that clay and animates that clay into a human being. We only exist because of the ongoing presence of the Spirit in us. We are only alive and animated and breathing because it is God's very breath, the Holy Spirit of God, that makes you alive every moment of every day. And so while God created you, Creator God brought you into being, the Holy Spirit is what sustains you. The Holy Spirit is what draws you into connection. The Holy Spirit is what gives you power to be fully alive. We talk about being fully alive here a lot too. Zao means to be among the living. One of my professors in seminary said, the Holy Spirit nurtures the aliveness of living. Now what exactly that means, I don't know, because that sounds, <laughs> the aliveness of living. But it feels true to me, I'll be honest. The Holy Spirit is what brings that life into life. We were there. God created us, created all things. But it was the Holy Spirit that rushed in and brought us into the aliveness of life, of living. And in the book of Acts, Paul is talking to all these folks from all over the place. And he's using their own philosophies and teachings to try and help them understand God. And Paul reference, references a Cretan philosopher saying, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's our God you're talking about. And I think that's the Holy Spirit you're talking about. It is in the Holy Spirit that we live and move and have our being. And because it was in the beginning, because it is the very breath in us, the Holy Spirit is what gives us the power to form relationships between things. It is our relatedness to God and to one another. Now, in quantum physics, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> there's a conversation right now about the space between atoms, right? We broke stuff apart, we were like, oh yeah, it's, it's made of this. And then we broke that apart, and we were like, oh, well, that's made of this. And we broke that apart, and that's made of this. And we kept thinking that we had found the last thing. <laughs> we were really sure. And we were like, well, what's between all of those things? And we were like, nothing, probably. But the more we looked at that probably nothing, that probably a vacuum, the more physicists were like, ooh, that's full of stuff. <laughs> it's not stuff like we think of stuff. It's not matter, but it's something. And they keep trying to describe it, and <laughs> they're having a trinity problem, you guys. <laughs> right now they've settled on uh, cosmic quantum foam, which sounds great. <laughs> There is a somethingness between us. There is a somethingness between every atom and particle and quark in all of creation. And we're trying to wrap our heads around it. But it is something so holy and so holy beyond us that it is difficult to conceptualize. I call that the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what binds us together in love. The Holy Spirit is what animates our bodies and our beings. The Holy Spirit is what draws us into and sustains our relationship. The relationship between humanity and God. 
the relationship between people, the relationship between a person and the self, the relationship between each atom and another atom. It is all sustained by that infused power of the Holy Spirit. And back in the day, they knew this truth too. And they didn't have the term quantum foam. (laughs) Cosmic foam. So they called it breath. They called it wind. They called it spirit. They said, the very air between us, I know it looks like there's nothing here, but there's something here, and that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God. It made us alive. It fills the space between us, and it actually makes what's between us not emptiness, but somethingness, connectedness. The Holy Spirit is relational in nature. It draws things together. It holds them together in love. And we see this play out in Acts because when we look at what happens between people when the Holy Spirit shows up and just comes through in this rush of fire, the power that they are imbued with is to speak to one another in their own native languages. The power that they have is suddenly to relate to one another in the most intimate linguistic way possible. To say, I'm not going to expect you to know my language I'm going to show up to you in yours. And if that doesn't say something about God, and also if that doesn't say something about the failure of the church to catch the Holy Spirit, how many times have you been asked to set aside your identity, your language, the the words of your heart, the the culture of your, your body and your community in order to receive God? The Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit says, no, no, the Holy Spirit rushes in to say, actually, God can come meet you where you're at. God is prepared to speak your language. You don't have to learn the language of God or the language of the teachers of the culture you are in. You are receiving the presence of God in the ways that are most intimate to you. No translation necessary. That is what the power of God is inviting us into, a kind of closeness that allows us to meet one another where we are at. To say, I'll learn about you. You don't have to learn about me in order to find God. I will meet you in you. And so the Holy Spirit does that for each and every one of us, meets us where we are at. Says, no, you don't have to come to the temple. No, you don't have to come to the church. I'll meet you on the street. I will meet you in the club. I will meet you in that fantasy novel you are reading. I will meet you in those moments of passion and connection with your partner. I will meet you in the places that light you up and make you feel most alive. I am there. And that is holy and good. We are invited not just to receive this Holy Spirit, but to respond, to participate, to be a part of her work in drawing things into connection. But man, is that terrifying. That is really, really hard to show up fully to life, connection, love, to show up fully to our bodies, including all the hurt and pain, to show up fully to our communities, including all the hurt and pain. (coughs) Excuse me. Being alive is tough. And the reason that I know that God is able to meet us anywhere
reason that I know that God is able to meet us anywhere is because God has met me everywhere. I mentioned that there was a time in my life that I was really disconnected from God. And um, I would reach out in my own ways, but I just felt nothingness where there should be somethingness. And I wanted to believe in the cosmic foam, but I felt like I was in a void. I felt like God was nowhere. And I wasn't sure that I wanted connection anymore. I wasn't sure that I wanted the aliveness of living anymore. And I'm going to pause right here to just remind folks that this is a community in which it is perfectly normal to go refresh your coffee or to hit the bathrooms during the sermon or to take a breath of fresh air. And if you need to do any of those things because you're thirsty or you have to go to the bathroom, that's great. And also, uh, if you need to do any of those things to take a break uh, from what I'm about to talk about, that's good too because I'm about to talk about suicidal ideation and drug use. I was in a bad way, y'all. I was 17 years old, and I remembered what it, liked, what it was like to feel connected. When I was a young child, I had this vibrant connection. There was something so alive in me, and I don't know what that was from, but I remembered feeling that. But as the depression and anxiety and PTSD of my adolescence settled into my body, I felt more and more isolated and closed off. Now, so many of you over these same cups of coffee have told me that you've been in some of those places, that you weren't sure if you wanted the aliveness of living, that there were moments that you escaped that could have cost you your life. Most of you are grateful to be here still, but many of you are still also wondering why. Why am I still here? And what is it all for? When I was 17, I was trying to get by, but not sure I wanted to get by anymore. And I was engaging in some really reckless and dangerous behavior. By that time in my life, I was a daily IV heroin user. And I had friends who had died of overdose. And I knew that some of, even just the ways I was engaging in that behavior were extra dangerous. And I thought, I'm going to die. And I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. Because being alive is tough. I felt so afraid of the pain in my body the pain in my spirit, my feeling of isolation and disconnection, I didn't think I could get past that. And if I had to live that way, I didn't know if I could. And one day when I was 17, I overdosed. I overdosed and my friends found me on a bathroom floor and I was blue and my heart had stopped. Now, thank God and thank harm reduction programs, we had naloxone, a drug that was able to shut off the opiate receptors in my brain. They did CPR and rescue breathing, and they were able to save my life. 
And after that experience, I learned that what happens when you overdose on heroin is that it slows down and then shuts off your respiratory system. I was fighting the very breath of God in my body, keeping me alive. And so when I was revived, and I had some time to think on it, I knew I wasn't ready to be healthy. I knew that I was just going to survive for a little while. But I thought, if I get past this point in my life, I want a tattoo over my track marks, reminding me to keep breathing. Now, fast forward a few years, I had gotten some support. I was fighting my way back to my faith. There's a whole other story there, but it basically is about me making a choice, saying, God, I'm going to choose you on a time-limited basis because I don't know if this is worth it, but I'm going to choose you instead of letting my life slip through my fingers. I'm going to choose to try and find you. And I found enough, enough spark of hope, enough spark of relationship, enough of that fire. I saw, I looked back, I saw enough of the Holy Spirit threading her way through my story and my life. And then I started to read and learn, and I learned the word ruach, and I learned that that breath of God, that was what was in my lungs. I learned that the reminder to keep breathing was the reminder to keep knowing God, the reminder to seek after connection, the reminder that not shutting myself off was worth it. And so I got that tattoo, that keep breathing tattoo. I got it on the day that I was baptized at 19. It says ruach. And it tells me to keep breathing. Keep breathing in that spirit of God. Keep drawing in towards connection. That relatedness, it can be terrifying. And those years when I was coming back alive, coming back online, they were painful. They were painful because being alive to the beauty and joy and power in the world means being alive to the pain as well. But once I opened myself up to the Holy Spirit, to my family, to my friends, to the idea that I wasn't alone in this, I had enough, I had enough connection and support to know that I wasn't alone. And that quantum cosmic foam that had been weaving itself through my life, it had always been there, but suddenly I was saying yes. I was saying yes to being alive, yes to participating. When I invite y'all to come alive with me, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of no experience here, right? I know how brutal it is. I don't say that lightly. I don't say be alive with me because I think being alive is easy. But I say be alive with me because I think being alive is beautiful. And I say be alive with me because I think that with one another is the only way we can. That Holy Spirit, she may come down in these moments of fire and connection and beauty, but even when you feel like nothing else is moving inside of you, the very breath in your lungs, that is God. That is the Holy Spirit. And she doesn't invite us to believe the right things or to say the right things, to be the right kind of Christian. She invites us to show up, to participate, 
to be a part of that connectedness of all things, to bring into being with her this healing, this drawing in, the aliveness of being alive. If you are not sure if you want to be alive fully or otherwise, please know that you can talk to me about it. You can talk to Cameron about it. You can share that kind of stuff on the squad page. And if you don't want to talk to anybody, but you know you need to tell somebody, go ahead and text that number on the screen, and we will find you support. But there are also subtler ways of resisting the breath of God. What is keeping you from full connection with yourself? What is keeping you from full connection with your body, with your breath? What's keeping you from full connection with your community, with your God? Some of the things that are invading our spaces and keeping us from connection are out of our control. Systems of power, oppression, abuse. But the Holy Spirit says, I blow where I will. And nothing can actually keep you from me and my power. And I am weaving myself through every crack. You can put up whatever barrier you want. I am the thing that is between things. Nothing can come between God's people and the power of the Holy Spirit that burns and rages and wilds out through them. And it is what gives us the hope and possibility and power of connecting with one another. When we say yes to the Holy Spirit, when we let the breath of God oxygenate us, we come fully alive. We are no longer clay laying on the ground. We are no longer people going through the motions. We are people coming alive with one another, with the power of God. It didn't just happen in that beautiful moment. It is happening here and now. Every breath you take, God is with you. Every moment of connection, God is with you. Every moment of passion, every moment that you show up to change the world, to change your life, to heal, God is with you. You are capable and empowered. And all those folks gatekeeping the Holy Spirit, they don't know what it is. They've got the wrong metaphors. Well, we have the metaphors we have, they are insufficient, but we know in our being because that is where the Holy Spirit resides. And so I challenge you, I invite you to participate in the amazing work the Holy Spirit is doing in you, in between every atom of your body, in between you and the people you love, in between us as a community, in between us as a cosmos, in between us and the communion of saints, everyone who came before us and will come after us. The power of God unites us all, and it is in and through that that we can find holiness, which is wholeness, which is relationship. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, it can be terrifying to show up. It can feel so comforting to ball up and isolate. It can feel so satisfying to look in from the outside and say, that must be nonsense. But the longing of our heart, the longing of our bodies is your breath. Some of us are suffocating, Lord. Some of us are desperate for air. God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit like a rushing wind, like tongues of fire. God, that we could share it amongst ourselves, that we could come alive with one another, that we could be inspired to be fully alive.
that we could meet one another where we are at, that we could trust you to meet us everywhere we are, God, and that that power would give us hope and that that hope would be our healing. Amen.